to the podcast, Digging, Doubting, and Believing. My name is Lori Cloutier, and I'm joined today with Tracy Iberg and Pastor Michelle Rem. We will be digging into our Bibles today and talking about how its words challenge us, inspire us, and help us to deepen our faith. Today, we're going to be digging into the book of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17, which is the gospel for March 5th, using the Revised Common Lectionary. It is also Lenten season. It is going to be the second Sunday of Lent. And so on my questions today, I also added, how can this help me during my journey of Lent? So that was an extra question. Oh, pop quiz. Pop quiz. (laughs) So let's read that gospel. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Phew, I did not know much about Nicodemus. So I had to do a lot of digging and I think that's where we'll start out is what caught your attention and where did we have to dig deeper? And I, before we start, I just have to give credit to Luther Seminary's working preacher, anybody? All of our listeners can look it up at workingpreacher.org. It is a gem and a lifesaver for me because I don't understand things. And so I go on there and um, lots of wonderful pastors give their commentaries and different ideas. And it's a wonderful resource for me. And I know that it's a reliable source. Um, And that's that's where I, I start to dig deeper and it... It sends me different places in the Bible, and it's wonderful. So I just wanted to give credit to them. Um, 
because all of these thoughts that I have on what about this caught my attention and made me dig deeper, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do without that. So let's start there. What caught your attention? What, what made you dig deeper? Everybody has notes today. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, this is one of those stories that I could probably co-opt the entire conversation just trying to grapple with it. Yeah. I really like Nicodemus, I think, because he's very much like me. Mm -hmm. You know, question, question, question. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I relate to that very much but also um the the very first thing that struck me was the night meeting mm -hmm. that he is um meeting with him uh, probably wanting no one else to know i mean he's a pharisee so he's supposed to have certain standards and you know so <clears throat> meeting jesus at night is something that really stuck out for me yeah, I like Nicodemus too, um, and I think he does represent those people who are, I mean, if if we read the whole book of John, we would see the development of his faith. Mm -hmm. um, he goes from meeting at night to defending Jesus to actually taking care of the mm -hmm. body of Jesus. and. Um, and so I like Nicodemus. I feel a little sorry for him because he comes to Jesus and he's he asks a very, you know, he mm -hmm. makes this statement of fact. You have to be of God, you know. And then Jesus has this really convoluted response that I go, huh? I mean, yeah. I'm just like Nicodemus. Right. <laughs> uh, what? That Jesus just can't give a straight answer, can he? No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Not here anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I also like that that um, he addressed Jesus as rabbi, even though Jesus hadn't had formal training. Um, so I felt like it was a sign of respect for Jesus, and Jesus is really respecting him too mm -hmm. in the way he speaks with him. Mm -hmm. In the commentaries, I found that Nicodemus, when he calls Jesus rabbi, that in John really only the disciples call Jesus rabbi, oh. nobody else. So when Nicodemus uses that term, you know, they that's a question that this commentator had been asking. So what does that mean? Does that mean that he's on his way to being a disciple? Is that what John is trying to tell us? Or is John kind of using it as... <laughs> irony which oh, then is right. he trying to confuse us so yeah. I thought that was interesting well it's also interesting that Nicodemus isn't mentioned in any other gospel except yeah. John mm -hmm. and I think John has a very unique way of writing yes mm -hmm. well and John was the last of the four gospels to be written and in my reading this week um, one person had uh, conjectured that maybe John is so different from the other three gospels intentionally maybe he wanted to tell the stories that weren't in the others mm -hmm. you know and I thought that makes a lot of sense to me yeah yeah well and that's where I did some digging because I had found out that John was the only place that Nicodemus was mentioned I went on to compare the gospels and what did John have in his that maybe weren't in the others or mm -hmm. you know kind of along those lines so and I did a good portion of the gospels um after finding that out. Mm -hmm. And I think John is more philosophical mm -hmm. than the others. You know, I, I 
no, Matthew, okay, so my digging, I've got a reference where I was digging too. So I went to the BYU Religious Studies Center website and um, found out that Matthew had the most Jewish telling of all the Gospels, and he links back to the Old Testament prophecy the most times. So 124 times. Mm -hmm. Mark is short, less detailed, and he concentrates on, on a personal choice to act in light of the Gospel. And he only mentioned the Old Testament once, which I thought I found was very interesting. Luke uses extensive detail and he records miracles, sermons, conversations, and personal feelings. He's more of a historian and he mentioned the Old Testament and referred back to that 109 times. Hmm. <clears throat> so I thought that was it was just interesting that each of them have very different ways of writing and um but john did mention things. the old testament today right mm -hmm. when he talked about moses and the yeah serpent. john i didn't give that number did i 27 times okay got one today yep. got one today yeah and one of my other resources um was studylight.org there was an article written by aaron remmers um, that talked about the differences between the miracles or signs that John mentions versus the other Gospels. So. Well, it is like Nicodemus, like many, felt the reason, one of the reasons he believed in Jesus was because there were miracles and signs, right? Mm -hmm. um, he kind of lacked that faith <laughs> that we're supposed to have. Um, Which is pretty normal. human. I mean, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to believe it unless I see it. Right. Well, but what's interesting, though, in the book of John is I believe the only miracle that has happened up to this point is Jesus changing water into wine and keeping the wedding celebration going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's the only, at least that John mentions. Right. You know. Yeah. And I, d I just don't understand why the other ones don't, you know. That seems a pretty like a pretty significant mm -hmm. miracle. Why wouldn't mm -hmm. the other gospels mention that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Got any <laughs> answers on that? <laughs> I'm not here to answer. I'm only here to question. You got it. Me too. <laughs> we are fellow seekers here. <laughs> I have an, another thing that kind of stuck out to me is is Jesus response in in the ESV that I like to read truly truly and the one you read was very truly mm -hmm. so is he just wanting Nicodemus to know that I'm very sincerely telling you this and it is the truth mm -hmm. you know so he you know, places an emphasis on that um, but also the word wind and spirit mm -hmm. um, verse 8 the wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. I find that interesting that it's said that it's written the wind blows where it chooses. Mm -hmm. So, to me, that makes me question: is is he only choosing certain people to give his message to? Well, that's kind of what our Lutheran theology would say. I mean, just as Jesus called 
the 12 disciples and then the 70, you know, um, Jesus calls us and that is why we're here. Um, now why that call doesn't go out to everyone at the same time yeah. in the same way, I don't know, unless maybe the call goes out, but we must respond to and be willing to follow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then I have this picture in my mind, so this is the wind too. So the wind blows and everybody in that's path feels it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what I was thinking a little bit about, you know, where Jesus talks about be born again, um, is that in my mind, first of all, I had to ask myself, okay, who does the birthing? You know, it's not the person. So it's not, you know, there are some denominations that will say you have to accept Jesus into your heart. You have to, um, you know, make a profession of faith and that is how you are born again. Um, and yet, as I look at it, it is not me who does the birthing, it is God. So God is at work birthing all of us, you know, every single day, again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of things that happen in life that are beyond my awareness. And so I'm wondering if, you know, people's experience of being born again, whether that's really just an awakening to what is, you know, what has been going on the entire time, mm -hmm. but it becomes a, a new awareness to that, you know. So I was thinking of, oh, what was Mark's word on Scrabble the other day, tilde or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's, that's true out there, but it's totally beyond my understanding, <laughs> you know, or my awareness. You know, I have a friend who's colorblind mm -hmm. and just in the last couple of months has started to see the color red. Oh, wow. And so I think about it like that, mm -hmm. that things are just black and white mm -hmm. until yeah. all of a sudden you mm -hmm. start to see things differently. Yeah. Or I can imagine like a very gentle wind going through a group of people and only a handful of them may be aware of it. And I probably would be one of the ones who weren't, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because it just wouldn't register for me until it was like a gust. No. So, mm -hmm. yeah. What else? Well, you said, Pastor, that you, you just could talk about Nicodemus all night and you have notes and... Oh, nothing. What else was interesting to you about Nicodemus? Um, let's see. The, the verse that I always kind of stumble over um, is, of course, the one that's so very well known, John 3.16. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I always stumble over it is because I think it's been used occasionally throughout history to be exclusive when in fact I think it's an inclusive call to people to believe. Um, you know, so when, it, when he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that um, all those who would believe in him may not perish but have eternal life. Um, God didn't send the son into the world to condemn the but in order mm -hmm. that the world would be saved. And um, my understanding of that, you know, once, and I'm, I'm not a Greek scholar, but um, going back to the Greek, if you look at the, um, the tenses of those verbs, mm -hmm. um, the, the tense that is used for the one who believes is a um, on and on and on and on and on and on. You know, so it goes on, it's again and again and again. But the tense for the one that um, 
is about condemnation is about now. Now they are condemned. So we're not talking eternity. We're talking about they're condemned today, now, because they don't get to live with the, the love and joy and support that faith can give you. And so they're condemned to live in the darkness um, because they can't see yet. Um, and I think too often we apply it to eternal life, like someday in the future, when Jesus is talking about now. Um, and if you think about it, if eternal life is eternal, right? It's not just my future, it's also my past. <laughs> yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus is talking about the whole, the whole gamut. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's one thing that always jumps out at me that um, I think has been a verse that has been maybe abused in our understanding. Mm -hmm. I <clears throat> have questions about the born again part too that you mm -hmm. mentioned earlier and baptism. Um, so from my questioning is being born again and you referred to it a little bit with like all, all of a sudden understanding and believing. Um, but it says unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So baptism for me happened as a baby but I feel in my heart that I didn't come to really know and begin to study and gain more understanding until January of 2020. Mm -hmm. So three years ago at the age of 50. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was born again at that point, yet I wasn't rebaptized then. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean for me? I don't believe I need to be baptized again. I really don't feel that that's mm -hmm. what it's saying, but am I wrong? No. <laughs> or, or is it is it not and, but now spirit? Well, okay. Um, and I can only speak to this as a Lutheran pastor. Mm -hmm. And so as a Lutheran pastor, what I would say is um, it all occurred at your baptism. You know, if you'll remember the baptism liturgy, we say you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And... Um, uh, and so in the Lutheran understanding, we believe that the two are not... Separate. separate. However, we believe that baptism is a single event, but it unfolds your entire life. And so that's why we keep coming back and studying the Bible and grappling with things and digging and trying mm -hmm. to understand because it, it develops through our life. And so maybe, you know, at 50, you were at a point where you were just like a sponge and ready to receive, you mm -hmm. know, what the Spirit was offering. Um, so no, we don't believe that uh, baptism, it's, God is the one who's active in baptism, and so it's effective. Okay. It just kind of unfolds as we go mm -hmm. through life. Yeah. Well, and it changes too, though, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Like, there's some points where, you know, the, the spirit is working in you more, and, and your faith is perhaps stronger, and it, mm -hmm. it, and it changes, and so... Yeah. I mean, I can, I can say that that's, you know, it's kind of like this hills and valleys, just like you have in marriages and friendships, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of with your faith, yeah. depending on life experiences and um, relationships and events, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. isn't, and so every so time... So it's not just being reborn once, it's every time you're... You're going through that ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. yeah. You might be re-energized 
and re- consider reborn. that being reborn. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Well, I think it's semantics, you know, because I wouldn't right. call it rebirth because of the baggage that goes with that, mm-hmm. you know, with that born again phrase. Mm-hmm. So that's why I would call it, it's, a, it's an awakening, it's a becoming aware of what is happen- has always been happening, mm-hmm. um, and now I'm just suddenly aware of it. Um, I think, unfortunately, born again has become a catchphrase mm-hmm. for some, you know, um, some things. And so then it, it messes this up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know, right. Um, we can't take it for maybe what Jesus meant in these words because we, we're, we're mixing it up with things that we know right. today mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. versus what he meant. Then. Right, right. That's my opinion. But mm-hmm. I mean, it just has so much baggage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the one thing that I learned in the commentaries today was, um, you know, in 15 and 16, um, Jesus talks about God's gift of eternal life and then kingdom of God. And I think in my mind, I always thought that eternal life started when I died. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in one of the commentaries, it, it was challenging me because it said, it starts really now, you know, when you have that ebb and tide and, and you're, you're given kind of that rebirth, that is, you are given eternal life right now. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to wait to go to heaven to get it, you know, but that's where I really thought that that's where it started. And so that, that was energizing for me to think that, really have to wait. I mean it's not it's it's just not I believe Jesus was more concerned about our today than our eternity you know that he he took care of eternity but the question for humanity is are we going to live in the kingdom now are we going to have that eternal life now I think Jesus was concerned about the now mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's a great way to look at it mm-hmm. because don't we need him now Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, life right. is hard. It is. It's terribly yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have him to look to. Or the community of faith, you yeah. know. Yeah. What I really liked was, and I oh, I wish I knew where I had gotten this, because I could resource it the way you guys have. But uh, one place that I looked at it talked about, you know, experiencing eternal life now. And maybe it was working preacher. Um, living as a colony of heaven now, you know, so John was very split, mm-hmm. you know, that there was heaven, there was earth, but a bit of heaven has come down to exist in this community of believers, and so we live with that love, life, truth, freedom, that mm-hmm. abundance now. And wouldn't uh, you want to hook arms with that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I love that. So I think we can just, we're, I think we're ready to say... There was a lot of digging, and now... I have one more thing I mentioned. Because because it's an easy... um, Written right there for people to look back to. Um, Verse 14, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So going back to Numbers, 
Chapter 21, verse 9, if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, being that Moses is mentioned here, that's an, an easy thing to say, well, I want to learn about that. What does that mean, Moses lifted up the serpent? And, and going back there. And I, I had never even paid attention to that part before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've read this before, but... Now, I don't know if it's because we're making sure that we're digging deeper, <laughs> that it made me want to go back and read that. Yeah. In well, and it's funny. That whole process is so funny, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. in terms of like where your mind goes, because I was reading a commentary and then I thought to myself, I, I don't remember what I read, but it was like, well, how did the disciples die? And so then I ended up going down this rabbit hole yeah. of, you know, how did they all die? And learned all about that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they're all martyred except for John. Wow. Yep. Oh, and Judas. Judas committed suicide. Yeah. But John is the only one who died of natural causes. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Wow. It's funny how it just... Who knows where the journey is going to take yeah. you, is my point. Yeah, and I had known about that Moses lifting up the serpent, but I couldn't remember that. the whole reason mm-hmm. why, you know. So to, have, to go back and reread that, mm-hmm. hopefully I'll remember it now. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, and another interesting thing that I learned this week was that, you know, we talk about Jesus being lifted up, and we always imagine the cross being Jesus lifted up. But when you think about it, he was lifted up on the cross, he was lifted up in his resurrection, and he was lifted up in his ascension, you know, mm-hmm. so that there's there's a whole layer there of lifting yeah. up that is beyond what we typically think of with that that verse. But, well, and he was metaphorically lifted up by mm-hmm. his, you know, his father God, and, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. many, many times, <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Yep. So now, Hopefully our listeners have heard all of these things that we've questioned and dug into. But now it's, it's how do we connect this to where we are? And how does this, how do we bring meaning to all of this mm-hmm. information into our lives? Mm-hmm. And what, what is this trying to tell us? Well... <laughs> One, I'm a whole lot like Nicodemus. Amen. That's what I said. (laughs) Me too. I can empathize with him a lot. And I think how awful he must have felt when Jesus was being crucified if he didn't still understand that reborn, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, concept. So like him, I need to get out of my own way and, and believe and maybe not look at the stuff that has to make sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to put it in a category or a box. Yeah, that's so hard to do. I'm Mm -hmm. one that I want the answers, you know, and and so that is too what I pulled out of this is that, you know, it's okay to be a seeker your entire life. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that that might be a good thing because then you keep going further into it. You know, it's just seeking mm-hmm. some answer or some understanding or and knowing you're never going to be fully there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I 
you know, ditto, ditto on that. But I too said that I, I kind of feel like Nicodemus coming to God at night, you know, the mm. metaphorical kind of way in that sometimes I, I guess I do come to God at night too, you know, um, away from others because I'm afraid of what they'll think of me or what I'll look like. And I think that I lack that same commitment and that same courage that Nicodemus mm-hmm. lacked. I mean, day in and day out. And, you know, I, I know that we're supposed to follow what Jesus wants us to do, but sometimes I don't even know what he wants me to do. <laughs> and so I, I can really, they could just call me Lori Nicodemus. <laughs> don't you sometimes want to say to God, name. get to the point. Mm-hmm. I, you, you've got me running around not knowing what I'm doing. Just tell me. See, and the thing is, is that I have to wonder if perhaps the journey is the purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, we always are, I must produce, I must, you know, make this action, you know, whatever. Um, and really, maybe it's that journey of seeking God, seeking God's will, you know. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus was pretty blunt. He said, hey, Love God with all your heart, you know, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that is the heart of the gospel. And the problem is, is that what it means to do those two things can be very confusing. Um, You know, that we don't always understand what is the most loving thing to do. And so then the question comes too, in my mind, um, why this text in Lent? What, what, how does this, how is this text and, and um, these thoughts supposed to help us in our Lenten journey when mm-hmm. we, you know, most of the time we think of Lent as a retrospective time to look inside and, um, you know, ask for forgiveness and, and kind of have that rebirth, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of what Lent is? I mean, it's different for everyone, but mm-hmm. we could mm-hmm. say, yeah. is that... Is that how this is used in Lent, or how do you see it helping us on this? Well, I think that, you know, I know that Lent has traditionally been a time of repentance, but I also think it's a time of seeking. Mm -hmm. And so the part that you talked about, that it's a time for us to kind of look at our lives um, and maybe turn in a different direction or and isn't that exactly what Nicodemus is doing you know he's not necessarily looking at his life but he's looking at the things that he's believed to be true and he's saying wait a minute mm-hmm. you know there there's something here and I'm missing it you know mm-hmm. and I think maybe that's a little bit what Lent is like too it's not just about you know asking for forgiveness and repenting it's about that turning a different way which is what repentance is And I, too, think this story says, you know, sometimes when, you know, you talk about the Bible, you're in Bible study, and you say something, and people respond, and you kind of feel the same way you felt like when Jesus responded to Nicodemus, like, whoa. I shouldn't have said anything. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I wouldn't have said that. But I think in the end, the story is, it's okay you know, even though I think, and Nicodemus, I don't think even knew that. I don't, I, I don't think he realized 
that his question maybe wasn't such a good question, but it was mm -hmm. because he kept asking mm -hmm. <laughs> more questions and they seemed like, you know, they should have been answered, but that really is how Lent feels, isn't mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. Like you're asking all these questions and they, they don't really get answered, but yet sometimes you feel like Jesus is probably saying, you don't get this yet. Yeah. <laughs> but see, and I don't does. see him doing it in a condemnatory way. I kind of feel no. like it, you know, he's putting his arm around us yeah. and saying, it's, it's okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's keep walking, let's right. keep talking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's interesting. I get the WELCA daily email. Um, and this week, one of them was Faith Enough. And it was um, about through the gracious gift of the Holy Spirit, that wind, faith seeks out and finds us. And that gift of faith, no matter the size or how shiny the wrappings are, is more than enough. Mm -hmm. And so that, to me, kind of summed up maybe what we were supposed to get out of this. <laughs> like that, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> well, and like you said, everybody will hear a different thing. And that's mm -hmm. why we come together and explore it, because what I hear is going to be different maybe than what somebody else does. Yeah. And so my understand, understanding can be deepened by the doing it in community. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that brings our podcast to an end. We hope that we have ask some questions that you're kind of thinking about and not knowing the answers to and we'll continue to dig this week and during your Lenten journey and um, hopefully we'll find some answers for yourself. We thank you for joining us today. This podcast comes to you from St. John Lutheran Church in Elma, Wisconsin. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and join us next time for Digging, Doubting, and Believing.